June 22nd, 2022, in Masechet Sanhedrin, and Mem Amud Bet, two lines down in the wide lines. Let's start two words before the end of the line. Says the Gemara, Hanihat Lerabanan Damre Sekila Hamura, Ela Lerbishimon De Amar Serefa Hamura, Maika Lememar. If you recall, the context of the Gemara went as follows. The Gemara was searching for the source, the Makor Torah, that Sheva Hakirot, that seven Hakirot is a normative, mandatory reality in Betin, that the Betin needs to ask seven questions, seven foundational, primary questions to each one of the witnesses to verify that they're not an Eid Zomem, that they're an Eid, which is kosher for our proceedings. And the Gemara mentioned three Pesukim, First one being in the context of Ir Hanidaha, the second one by a Yahid, an individual who does Abu Dazara, and the third one by Edim Zomimin. The three together, if you counted the amount of times that the Pesukim mentioned Vidarashta, Vahakarta, and the word Hetev, it led us to seven. The Gemara then understood those that as a segment, understanding it further as a Gezerah Shabbat Mufneh because of the word Hetev. That was a lot of our legwork yesterday. But the Gemara finished us yesterday with the following question. What about, even though you've included in this count Hayyub um, Sekila, because you've talked about Abu Dazara, even though, of course, you have Saif because of Ir Hanidahat, how do you know that someone who's on the, in the court uh, being uh, prosecuted for Hayyub Serefa is included in the Sheva Hakirot? So said the Gemara, we have a Kalvahomer. If for Sekila, for the perhaps most Hamur of... What's that? But death penalties have different severities. So we asked that question. We said, listen, if it's the most severe death penalty of Sekila, and you need Sheva Hakirot, which is a kula, it's a leniency, might be left off based on these questions. The witnesses might not check out. We're willing to put them into place, even though the punishment, meaning the sin, was of the most hamurot, so then certainly the lesser one, Serefa, would be included. That's a kalvahomer. Said the Gemara, what about Hanek? Excuse me, that was the question with regards to Hanek. Said the Gemara, what about Serefa? So the Gemara gave the same answer. However, and here's where we got caught up in the last line yesterday, that's all okay according to the opinion of Hachamim. According to the opinion of Hachamim, we say Sekila is more Hamur than Serefa. It's more severe than Serefa. As a result, if the Torah tells us, if we understand the Torah is telling us, that there's Sheva Hakirot by Sekila, so then it applies to death penalty of Serefa as well. However, Bishimon disagreed. Bishimon's opinion was it goes Serefa and only then Sekila. Whereas on Kippur we sing Sekila, Serefa, Herek, Vachenek. Bishimon perhaps would sing it differently. He would have Serefa, Sekila. And as a result, if you don't have a source in the Torah that there's Sheva Hakirot, that there's seven uh, questions to be asked, mandatory questions by Serefa, and you only have it by Sekila, fantastic, you worked out three of the death penalties, but you don't have a source for Serefa. Answered the Gemara, Ela Amara Yehuda, Vihine Emet Nachon, Vihine Emet Nachon. Says the Gemara, the Torah, twice in these contexts, 
mentions the words, you could look at the Pesukim on the side, it's the same Pesukim we're talking of. And the second one, you see these Pesukim, which we've been working with, two of our three, have extra words, not only V'darashta, not only V'hakata, not only V'hetev, but V'hine Emet Nachon Haddavar. Emet Nachon Haddavar. Emet, of course, means to realize, to notice the truthfulness. Nachon means, and it's uh, correct. Those two extra words, the emet and the nachon, is going to be added to our list of sheva hakirot, erashtav, hakata, heteb, and so forth, emet and nachon. Well, if that's the case, you added two plus two more. We had seven already. We're now leading ourselves into 11. Oh, this is getting messy. You told me seven. It was already quite a derashah. Now you're adding two and two more. It made me to 11. Ha, hadzare. That led me to 11. Again, keep in mind what our end goal wants to be. We want our end goal to be that we somehow are left with seven, but it's applicable to all circumstances. How are we going to get to that? So we're beginning with saying that there are eleven. Sheva sheva hakirot. Seven of the eleven is going to be used and understood as sheva hakirot, those seven primary mandatory questions. Dal telat shava. Subtract three for Gezerah Shava, the Hetev three times, or as is probably the Derashah, for Gezerah Shava, for linking these three Pesukim together. After all, these three Pesukim are in separate contexts. Maybe they are to be read separately. Three more for Gezerah Shava. So we had seven. We had three utility words to tell us that they're linked up. How many do we have remaining? One more remaining. Pasha Lehu Hada. There's one more remaining in the context of Derishot and Hakirot, one last reference. Why do I need one last reference? You're telling me that we have seven questions to ask. Uh, what's that last one? Lerebishimon laatuyen israfin. Lerabanan miltadatia bekalvahomer tarah vekatav la kera. Says the Gemara, you want to know what that last mention is for? For Bishimon, it's to include. Leituye means to include serefa. After all, for Bishimon, we got stuck yesterday at the end of the class. How does Bishimon derive that even mitat serefa needs sheva hakirot? The answer now is there's an extra word in the Pesukim. What do you mean an extra word? That's right, we had 11. Seven is for the hakirot. Three is for linking the pisukim together. We call that gezerah shabbat. And the last one is to teach you serefah. Oh, very nice. I mean, it's quite creative. Again, the derasha, as I told you yesterday, starts off elaborate, gets more elaborate, gets even more elaborate, starts off intricate, gets more intricate, more intricate. Okay, we're almost at the end of this derasha, but that's the way it's working out. But what about according to the hachamim? According to the hachamim, we had it all made. The only question we started today, we ended yesterday with, was what about a bishimon? The answer says the Gemara for the hachamim is milta, a matter that we could have derived from kalvahome, from our logic. What was our logic? Sekila will teach us serifa as well, according to the hachamim. Tarach vekatav kera. Sometimes the Gemara will tell us this. Sometimes the Torah, even though we say the Torah is always sparing in its words, sometimes the Torah 
wants to be absolutely explicit and not leave it to you and me to derive, and the rabbis to derive with logic the law. That's what we call miltada atyabah something that in truth could have been learned logically. Sometimes tarah, the Torah works hard, so to speak, the katav lakira, and it's written in the pisukim. All right, well, that being the case, we've solved it. According to the hachamim, there's an extra reference. Yeah, there's an extra reference, so you don't need to do a gezer hashava. According to Rabbi Shimon, it's to include serefa as well. Says the Gemara, megadef ba Rabbi Avahu. The word megadef is like meharef, is to have strong, almost curse-like words. The fact that Biavau is cursing out over here is not making me all that comfortable. But this is the word which is often associated with Biavau. Biavau apparently would use some sort of word of that sort in his attacks in the Beit Midrash. Tosafot and Masechet Ketubot and Bet Amud Bet point out that from time to time you'll find in the Gemara specific words attached to specific rabbis with regard to their questions. So for Biavau, it's Migadev, so don't get too nervous. He was getting old. This is the word sometimes. What's that? He had it is it's that's that's my point. It's a very heavy word, says Tosafot. That's right. Biavau used to sometimes, you know, with that sort of word attack. But that was his word, that was the way he would go. Okay, but what's his question? Emma, his question is Hakirot. He says, your whole thing that you built today for us was, well, according to the Bishimon, I'll have my serifa, sheva hakirot, derived from my extra mention. I counted up 11, because I got v'inei emet nachon included, and I said three for gezerah, sheva, seven for hakirot, and the last one, oh, beautiful, it's for serifa. Maybe not. Maybe that last one isn't for serifa. Maybe that last one is to tell you there are eight primary foundational mandatory questions. Maybe there's eight hakirot. I know our Mishnah told you differently. But once you're advancing such an intricate, interesting uh, derajah, maybe you have to rethink this. What made you know that there's really seven? Ushmona hakirot mi'ika, says the Gemara. Yeah, that's your question. Can you come up with an eighth question? I mean, we, we really exhausted our questions in the Mishnah. Which, which year in the Yovel, which year in the Shemitah, and so on and so forth. You have an eighth one? Alamalo, says Rabbi Avau, or says the Gemara for Rabbi Avau. Why not? The Ha'ika, don't we have as well, don't we have the question of at what time in the hour? See, one of the Sheva Hakirot was what hour in the day? Was it the fourth hour, the fifth hour, the sixth hour? Uh, we didn't have what time in the hour. Oh, that's very hard without, without watches. Okay, but around what time? The first half of the hour, the second half of the hour, first third of the hour, and so forth. Indeed, we have a beraita which disagrees with our beraita and accords with seemingly this question of Rabbi Avau. What does the beraita say? The beraita says explicitly they would ask eight questions. What was the eighth question? Our assumption or our knowledge is what time during the hour, which means to say, Rabbi Avahu's question is you're still stuck. You don't have a source for serifa, needing sheva hakirot, because your elaborate derasha will lead you to eight remaining, and maybe it's eight hakirot, says the Gemara. This is really dependent upon a mahloket that appears in Masechet Pitzachim and Daf Yodalif, leaving the context out as the Gemara does for us. And the Gemara tells us it's not really clear that we can or should assume that the average person, again, without a watch, is knowledgeable of the time during the hour. When we ask the average person about what time did that happen, we assume they could tell us which hour during the day. We don't assume they can pinpoint the minute. That's the general approach. Not everyone agrees 
place to that. But once I have such an approach in the Emoraim, explaining the words of the Tanaim, it means that can't be or shouldn't be one of our hakirot to ask the guy and say, ooh, if you don't know what time during the hour this took place, you're invalidated. Oh, I thought we don't I thought we don't assume that. Says the Gemara Haniha, this is all understood according to one opinion. Abaye's opinion as he explains Rabbi Meir, was He said people don't make mistakes with regards to the times. If they tell you it happened at this time, they can pinpoint what time it happened to. Shapir says the Gemara as well. Abaye has an ikade amre, has a different, uh, there's a different version of Abaye with regards to explaining Rabbi Meir, and that is that you might not get it perfect. But you'll get it almost perfect. Adam Tore, Mashehu. You make small mistake. According to that opinion, Abaye, Alibab der Bimeir, Abaye following and explaining the opinion of Bimeir, I understand the claim. There should be eight hakirot. The eighth hakira is what time during the hour? What time during the hour is an appropriate question because you can get that right. Imagine it like today. Today, I would imagine, I'm, I'm telling you based on our watches, based on how much we are contingent upon time, the general person today, we would expect the person, maybe not to the minute, to the second, but around what time during the day, not just the eighth hour, but 8.22 or something along those lines, or 7.22. But as a result, says the Gemara, that's one opinion, though. Everyone else, Ela le Abaye, Alibad Rabiuda, No. Based on the sun, based on the based on the based on their knowledge of the day, correct. Listen, ultimately speaking, we're not looking for eight twenty-two for him from him, but we are talking about the first half or the second half of the eighth hour. Says the Gemara. But even that, Stanley, even that, that's only to be meir according to the interpretation of Abaye. According to Abaye, according to who explains the opinion of Biuda, people make mistakes up to, up to half an hour. And you can't ask this in court. People make mistakes up to a half hour, and that's going to be one of your Sheva Hakirot. So the first person walks in and says, yeah, it was in the eighth hour. And they says, well, which part? He says, the second half. All right, so he made a 30-minute mistake. Second guy comes in and says, yeah, the first half. Now, each one of them just made a 30-minute mistake, but now you invalidated their... Ah, so you can't do that. So again, back into our context, Rabbi Avahu said, oh, I'll tell you what the eighth hakira is. What time during the hour? You can't ask such a question according to Abaye Al-Badr Biuda. Ule Rava, and furthermore, according to Rava's interpretation, Damar Ta'win Tuba. According to Rava, that was Abaye, according to Biuda. Rava says people make lots of mistakes with regards to time, more than half an hour. So you certainly can't have that as one of your Sheva Hakiro. So we turn back to the Biavau. We said, Biavau, we don't understand your question now. Biavau, you tried to topple our, our tower that we were building over here. We said the way we got to seven Hakirot, even according to the Bishimon, is you have seven Hakirot, you have three for Gezirah Shabbat, and the remaining one, because we counted up to 11, is to tell me for Nisrafim. So what are you talking about? Maybe it's for the 8th Hakira. Can't be for the 8th. No, we have a Beraita that says 8th Hakira. We can't accept that as a normative, regular opinion because according to our regular mainstream opinions, you can't ask such a question and assume they're going to get it right. Ela, rather, says the Gemara according to the Biavau, the 8th question could, maybe should be, It's a question of at what point in the 50-year uh, system did this take place? 
That's your seven, that's your eighth hakira. Says the Gemara, we had that question already. Hainu be'ezah shavua. We asked that in the Mishnah. The Mishnah said that's one of the sheva hakirot. It's actually one of the first of the hakirot. It's be'ezah shavua. It's the first one. Which one of the sevens? Is it the first seven or the second seven? All the way up, of course, to the seventh seven in the seven, seven shemitas of uh, Yovel. So that can't be your eighth question. No, maybe the question is, which yovel? Which 50 is it? Is it this 50 or the next 50 or the following 50? Shema Yisrael, how many years are these people living? I mean, you know, and they used, and they used to live less. Yeah, yeah, says, says, says the Gemara in turn, that's why Rabbi Avau's question was not a threat to what we were suggesting, maybe Rabbi Yehuda, maybe the Mishnah, until now. Once the guy said, which year in the Shemitah, excuse me, which Shemitah of the 50 years it was, he doesn't need to mention as well which one of the Yovels it is, because our assumption is, he's talking about this Yovel, we don't assume the guy put off that long. No, you'll say, but he said the first Shemitah, and we're in the second Shemitah, maybe he means 55, yeah, and he came and he testified now. So he said the first, our assumption is the closest first Shemitah in the process of your veils that we have, we could not and should not make assumptions otherwise, and as a result, we don't have an eighth question to be asked. Since we don't have a viable eighth question, we're left with seven hakirot, Three more mentions for Gezerah Shava, and lastly a mention of a Hakira, not to be used for Hakira, rather to teach us Serefa for Rabbi Shimon and Miltad de Atiyah Bekalvachom etarach vekatav lakera, according to Hachamim. The Beraita. We don't know. We don't, I, we don't, I, if you, you have to look up the Beraita if it's in Tosefta to find out what their eighth question is. Our Gemara says, even if the question is which Yovel, oh, come on, that's why our Mishnah, that's why our Mishnah doesn't have it. Says the Gemara onward, Rabbi Omer, if you call Rabbi Yosei, disagreed. He said, you don't need seven Hakirot, you need three. You need to ask, what day? Which hour? And what place? That was Rabbi Yosei. Those are the only necessary hakirot, according to the Biyose, in contrast, disagreeing with hachamim. Says the Gemara Tanya, the Beraita fills this out a little bit more. Amar lahem Rabbiyose lahachamim. Rabbiyose turned to the hachamim. Again, hachamim saying seven hakirot, Rabbiyose saying three. And he said to them, According to you guys, according to your opinion, Amar, a person who comes into court, he's a witness, and he says, Emesh, yesterday, harago. Yesterday, he opens up his testimony. Yesterday, that man Reuven killed Shimon. We turn to the guys. Oh, one second. Okay, yesterday we got it. Okay, which one of the Shemitah cycles was it? And what year was it? And what day? Why are you asking those questions? The guy said yesterday. Clearly, all those questions might be necessary. But sometimes they won't be necessary. To say they're absolutes as part of our seven that we have to ask everyone is ridiculous. It's ludicrous, says Rabbi Yosef. The guy who walks into the court and says it took place yesterday, you're not going to ask him those first four questions. Says Rabbi Yosef, that's why I said three. I'm not precluding, I'm not saying that you'll never have seven. Sometimes it's appropriate to have seven. But to say in every case you have seven, I can't accept. Amrulo, the rabbis turn to Rabbi Yosef and they say, Wait a second, Biyose. What about the following? According to your opinion, you said there are three questions. What are your three questions? What day? What hour? What place? Mishibadamar 
Achshav harago. Person who comes in. Yes, uh, rabbis. Just now I saw a murder out on the street. I saw a murder block away. Omer lo Your first two, two questions, maybe where it took place, I understand. Your first two questions wouldn't make sense in such a circumstance either. You say, what day? The guy said it just took place. What out? He said it just took place. Ela, rather, say the rabbis, the same way we think you're agreeing that you would ask him those questions in that situation of where he says it just took place. We too, and we're going to have to figure out why the rabbis will tell us in a moment, think that you need to ask all seven questions irrespective of the specific situation. Even though it doesn't, it's not necessary to ask these sorts of questions. Sometimes. We place them upon the witness. We saw already on Daflamid Bet. On Daflamid Bet, Bishimon ben El Azar described how we would move the witnesses from place to place before bringing them in, before finishing the, the, the situation. And the reason was, we wanted them to get a little bit tired and say, truth is, I wasn't really telling the truth. You wear them out a little bit. If the guy's really steadfast, telling the truth, wants to bring emet, wants to bring din v'sedek to Yisrael, he's going to withstand any uh, you know, the, a burdensome process. So to over here. These questions are to burden him. If the guy's really telling the truth, he gets past the burdens. I mean, think about the law system today. It takes in America it takes weeks and months at end in order to get a guy. It takes money and time and so on and so forth. The person who really is telling the truth needs to clear their name, needs to win that case. They're gonna follow through on this. If they're not, that's not worth it. I'll just settle outside. I'll just admit to this. It's not worth it. So that's the understanding. Say the hakamim. The seven questions are necessary under all circumstances. Sometimes in order to get to the bottom line, in order to truly uh, verify what took place, that they're telling the truth. Sometimes, just we'd rather, if they're not telling the truth, settle this cleanly. Let them turn away and say, we weren't telling the truth. Truth is, you find this with regards to Sota as well. We just had in Parashat Sota, uh, Parashat Naso, excuse me, Rashi cited over there. It's from the Gemara Masechet Sota. The, uh, in Masechet Sota, the, the Torah describes how the Kohen would be moving the woman. And so as he had her here, and then he would move... Why is he moving her all around? The answer, says Rashi in his commentary on the Torah, is to get her lahazorba. We want her to just, okay, the truth is, I won't. If you got her to admit, you got rid of the whole case. You don't need to now have this embarrassing situation of her drinking and so forth. We had this in every case in a different way, not in the same embarrassing fashion, but in order to make certain that there's truth, you burn them a little bit. So to over here, even though sometimes, as you said, Rabbi Yosef, those seven questions are unnecessary, Says the Gemara, what about Rabbi Yosef? So that if that's the case, Rabbi Yosef, uh, we don't know how to explain you. You said three, we say seven. We explain to you, even according to you, sometimes it should be one question. We agree sometimes, according to us, quote unquote, it should be just three questions. But we ask all the questions. We even told you why. How do you explain why you have three as opposed to seven? Says Rabbi Yosef, says, listen, the truth is, you're right, sometimes you'll have a, 
Uh, it just took place, you know, it just, uh, very rare. That's not something that happens. That it happened yesterday as opposed to uh, today, that will happen. You need to let it settle in. It happened at night. The court wasn't together. The, the Dayanim weren't together. The court wasn't, whatever the situation is, that it happened yesterday is Shachiyah. That it happened yesterday is Shachiyah. As a result, we can say four of the questions will very often not be relevant. The four questions, the beginning questions of the Hachamim, if he says it happened yesterday. That it happened right now, so the first two questions that I have of what day and what hour are not necessary, no, that's not as common as a result. Three absolute necessary as opposed to you guys who say seven absolute necessary. That's the Mahlokir Biosem Hachamim. Okay, the Mishnah continued and said the question that the Dayanim asked to the Edim, to the witnesses, the judges, to the witnesses, are Makirim Atemoto. Do you know the person who got put to death? We're trying to verify and to determine whether they're Noge'a Badavar, if they're involved intimately, and as a result, we might invalidate them. We asked them, did you warn the person who was about to commit the sin, who did commit? the sin and so forth, the Biraita will flesh out some of these laws that we already saw in our Mishnah a bit more. It says the Biraita, Tanur Banan, the Biraita has the statement of the rabbis, Makirim Atem Oto, the question is, do you know this person? Nukhri Harag, Yisrael Harag, did he kill a non-Jew or a Jew? Which is a very important question with regards to how we're going to, or is appropriate and necessary to prosecute this case. What's that? That's with regards to the first question. Makirim Otemoto effectively says the Beraita is a question not as much of Nogi'abadavar, but more who was the Niftar, the Neherag. We need to verify that because it's not going to have in turn the same punishment if it was a Nukhri. Hitretem bo. Did you warn him? We saw that in our Mishnah. Now the Beraita elaborates. Not only do we ask, did you warn? Did you issue a warning? We ask, Kibel alav hatra'a. Did he accept the warning? Did he understand what he was doing? Verbally. He Did he quote unquote permit himself to be killed? Meaning he understood not only the wrongdoing, but the punishment that in turn would follow. You told him you're about to kill, which is prohibited, and you will get beheaded, you'll get mitat for doing so. And he says, even though said, nonetheless I'm doing it. Is that what took place? We asked the witnesses this. Again, how often is this going to be the case that they're going to be able to say, yes, the guy actually said that, but that's the necessary reality. And for that reason, as we've discussed more than once, there probably weren't many situations where you actually executed the person because it needs to all check out. Because furthermore, the question is, is that he did he then, after the warning, and acceptance of the warning, what's called which is a very short span of time, we'll talk about its four words, did the sin then take place? If it was more than you gave him the warning, our assumptions, maybe he changed his mind afterwards and he's killing Bishogeg in some respect, or he doesn't fully have knowledge. Oh, yeah, I told him five minutes ago, it doesn't matter, it needs to be what is the Gemara Masechet? further length in uh, describes it's it's the amount of time it takes to say hello to greet the rabbi shalom alecha mori virbi it's four words it's the amount of time it says shalom alecha mori virbi peace to you my master and teacher that's it 
That's the amount of time we're talking about, a few seconds in between the warning and the sin taking place. If it was more than that amount of time, he's not liable to death penalty. Furthermore, the questions we asked, you said, oh, he, he wasn't murdering, he was, he was worshipping Avodah Zarah. Itmi Avad, who was he? Which Avodah Zarah, which idol was he worshipping or was she worshipping? La Peor Avad, La Marcolis Avad, was it to the Baal Peor, which of course the way you worshipped it was through excreting in front of it? Was it to the Marcolis, which was that three-stoned Avodah Zarah, you would throw stones to it? Upame Avad. How did this person worship it? Again, this is the questions we're asking to the witnesses. We saw these questions in the Mishnah, the Beraita is just further elaborating. What do you mean? Did he slaughter? Did he burn? Did he libate? Did he bow? Those are, if you recall, we saw later in the Gemara, those are the four avodot, which are always considered kiddarka. There's a question of kiddarka and shidlo kiddarka, meaning, is this the way of worshipping or not? So generally speaking, we say the way of worship is the avodah zarah, but there are four uh, globally accepted worship methods. These are the four. Even if you're at the Marcolis or the Baal Peor, where you generally do it in one way, the stone or the excretion, if you did one of these four, you're liable as well. These are the questions we would ask further. Amar Ulam will begin the question that we'll uh, then deal with in the Gemara thereafter for a few lines. Amar Ula, minayin lehatra'a min ha-Torah. Says Ula, what's my sourcing? What's the makor bach pasuk? That hatra'a, that a warning is necessary. What do you mean? What's my source? You need to know that. You have to know whether the guy is doing this wholeheartedly with full knowledge of what he's about to do, or he's doing this quote unquote accidentally. He's uncertain of the circumstances and consequences. So Tosafot explains in one of two ways. Either the second explanation of Tosafot, how do you know that it needs to be tokede dibur, not just hatra'a in the formal sense? That, of course, we know. How do we know that the hatra'a? With all the is is so necessary that it needs to be within that four word span. That's the question of the Gemara. Alternatively, says Tosafot, the truth is that we accept it was a mahlokit several times in Masechet Sanhedrin and elsewhere between Hachamim and Rabbi Yosef Rabbi According to Rabbi Yosef Rabbi that opinion of Tanaim, his opinion is that you only give hatra'a to people who might make the mistake. If it's a haver, it's a tamid hacham, you don't need to give him a hatra. You don't issue a warning. The guy knows the law. Look at this guy. This guy's been studying his whole life. He's about to commit a sin. Now, the guy was teaching Masechet Avodah Zarah yesterday. He's doing Avodah Zarah. He needs a warning. Going to Beelzeb, but Beelzeb doesn't. Say the Hakamim. No, even he does. Oh, even he does. That's the question. The question of the Gemara is how do you know in the non-quote-unquote logical case where you know, you know the guy of course means it wholeheartedly but he still needs a hatra, which is the opinion of hachamim. How do you know that he still needs a hatra? And the Gemara will give several suggestions. Let's just read the first one. It says the Gemara Emar, If a person has relations with his sister, and quote-unquote he sees her nakedness. Those words, he sees her nakedness, are just, of course, it's euphemism. Of course, it's, you don't want to say he has relations. The Torah is Lashon Nikiyah, but it's the only place the Torah says that. Generally speaking, the Torah says, Vigila Ervata, he exposes her nakedness. Why over here, what's vera'ah? He sees her nakedness. It has something to do with her sight. If he has relations and he's blind, he has relations in the dark, he's not liable to karet. Atuvere'iyat al-yamirta. Is, is the Torah making this matter dependent upon sight? 
Ela, rather, you should understand it as follows. It's until they show to him, quote unquote, until it's shown to him the reason of the matter. So he needs to not only have the relations, but he needs to see the prohibition. And furthermore, even though the relations with the sister is in its strictest sense, karet, that's mitabi deshamayim hakadosh baruch who's putting you to death, and we don't need warnings for that. We furthermore have attached to any circumstance of karet, the Gemara in the third Perek of Malkot describes this, the punishment of Malkot. As a matter of fact, there's a mainstream opinion that if you get Malkot, you can uh, alleviate yourself of karet by v'nilka achricha le'enecha, if you, he's achricha, he's your brother again if he got Malkot. So it means that we associate the lashes to karet. Now this source, and the Gemara will point this out, will only lead us up to one one level of hatra. We want to know how do you know you need a hatra in all circumstances, hayuf sekila and hayuf serifa and so on and so forth. All we have a source for then in this pasuk of vera'at ervata is for malkot. That much we have. The Gemara will go onward and find other sources with regards to hayuf mitah. And the Gemara, of course, will question: Is it by all mitah? Is it only by skilas? That can help us with bishimon. We'll go into a little bit of that for the next fifteen or so lines. Baruch Amen. Amen.